Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Book Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Divine Rhyme. As always, joined by Dylan Hughes, but it's a little bit more of a special one today because we are finally finally joined by someone else other than us and uh who else would it be than other than my best friend drew Settlemeyer, mac miller expert um and also golf uh player so he kind of fits in in that way too with the podcast not a great one but hey who, who is who is i'm not that good either so i'm gonna start with um, go ahead <laughs> I'm going to start with um, Drew. So, Drew, uh, I brought you on the podcast today because you've been pushing me uh, to listen to Mac Miller since I met you five years ago. Finally, after he dies, I start listening. Um, what? How long have you been listening to Mac Miller? Um, since seventh grade. So, I'm, what, 23 now? So, like, 10 years, basically, 11 years. For sure. Um, I know, uh, we're doing three. So, so the three that we're doing today are going to be kids, um, blue side park and best day ever, but those aren't the first kind of projects. And so I know you have a lot more experience, uh, with Mac than me and Drew, uh, me and Dylan drew what, 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 what was the vibe with Mac coming up, uh, before these albums and, uh, how how did he kind of like fit in to the to R and B or the hip hop scene? Well, um, kids and best day ever really put him on the map. Before those, uh, he was basically just some high school kid rapping. You know, he went by originally went by the name Easy Mac, and his first the first mixtape he ever dropped was called uh, My Mac and Ain't Easy. Um, but that it's pretty hard to find. Most people don't know any of the music from it. I had never heard of it until about maybe five years ago, something like that, when I found it just on Reddit on somebody's uh, random subreddit and uh, mm-hmm. downloaded it and stuff. But uh, like I said, kids and best day ever really put them on the map. Uh, there's a couple other mixtapes that came out around the same time. Uh, on and on and beyond is another good one. Uh, and High Life, most people, most Mac fans know High Life. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the big ones before. Dylan, had had you listened to him in high school much or the earlier years? No, I knew about him uh, probably going back to like junior high. I heard a lot of people talk about him and I just I never really was into it. I think I said last week's pod that I just wasn't really into rap much at that age. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Not interested. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I mean, as we again, we kind of talked about this last week, but I I've pretty much skipped over a lot of the early stuff from him and I'm more familiar with the more recent stuff. So this week and next week, what we're going to talk about is definitely like a totally new thing for him with Mac. Yeah, that's why I was interested to have Drew, because uh, looking at my perspective and our kind of shared perspective, we got into a to Mac Miller uh, in in the later parts of his career at me after he had died. And so Drew had kind of followed him like the whole time. So he kind of saw the transition, as you'll see, as we'll talk about in his uh, discography, because, boy, does it change from what we listen to today to uh, what he's put out most recently. Um, But that's that's kind of the most interesting thing that I got from listening to these three uh, projects this week, this as Drew kind of said, it was this young kind of up and coming, just happy kid who just wanted to share everything kind of on on music because he was passionate about it. And so that's that's definitely the vibe that I got from these first three projects. But we'll start with the first one, Kids. Drew, what what are some of your favorite songs from Kids and how does it stand out uh, among some of his other 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 albums? Uh, so. My favorite songs off of Kids are The Spins, Outside, and Don't Mind If I Do. Um, I really got introduced to him through uh, the songs uh, Nike's On My Feet and Senior Skip Day. 
both of those are some of his like two of his most popular songs especially early on um just the friends that i hung out with at the time all kind of listened to that kind of music with mac those kind of guys and it just mm. really fit the the vibe I guess, of my life at that point yeah um, that's what i picked up from it I, i'm wondering if drew uh dylan you got the same thing it's like this young kid you know just enjoying his life as i mentioned before um talking just just a high schooler that, that's really what i got and that's why i think a lot of people kind of connected with them so what did what were your initial thoughts of the album uh kids yeah that's exactly what i thought of it and it was funny because i was having like kind of deja vu listening to this album and i don't even i really don't remember listening to him at all but yeah. the Some of these songs were bringing me back to like even before high school like i said junior high high school days mm -hmm. it's it really reminded me because that's i mean that's what people were listening to like i he was you know pretty popular among younger kids and i think part of it was because he was pretty close to our age so yeah. a lot of the stuff he was talking about was you know just kind of you know enjoying life and you know fuck school type of vibe mm -hmm. and a lot of it um so, you know, it, it really did bring you back to the high school days. And uh, like I said, it was kind of weird because I never listened to it, but it brought me back to those days anyway. So I thought that was um, cool. And like, I can understand why younger kids at that point were definitely interested in it. Yeah. And something that's interesting about Mac is that I feel like with his fans, he has like a strong divide of people that act like him. And then he's got a bunch of haters. And so uh, obviously at one point in my life, I was like on the hating side of him for some reason. And I don't even know why, you know, it's just like I refuse to listen to him. And my best friends has always like listened to him. But I was just like, fuck this guy. Uh, but Uh, a couple of my favorite songs on this album, which I think I think something that's underrated about Mac uh, and that I picked up after listening to a lot of his early stuff is he has some insane production. Like his his production is really, really jumpy, uh, up tempo, and it kind of establishes a vibe that Mac kind of just rides over on the beat, you know, and his delivery is kind of matched in the same way. He has an up tempo delivery. I liked uh, the spins is obviously one of those kind of pr production carried songs where you're just like bouncing the whole time and you're like fuck this this is getting me going um i also liked kool-aid and frozen pizza though i think that was one of my favorites on this uh this project drew um what do you think what we always we already talked about how we related to the kit like our kind of age group or something like that but why do you think uh people liked mac miller so much other than that was it the production more or do you think it's like his lyricism and delivery um at the beginning of his career uh i probably wouldn't say it's as much lyrics uh more production more the beat you know the just the type of music especially like dylan was saying as kids you know i mean he's speaking as a you know he's there at the same time as us you know what i mean yeah. so especially for me i really like the the beats and uh just the vi the whole vibe of the music that he was putting out really i mean he, he he got a lot of flack and was called like a frat rapper and shit like that when he was when he was younger because that's i mean that's what it is it's party music yeah. for the most part yeah that's that's what i got from this kids album and uh i especially when you look at them as three separate kind of projects this album more than the most stands out as just like here i'm this mac miller i'm a kid i'm just enjoying life right now and i'm gonna fucking rap about it dylan is did you get the same vibe especially like looking ahead to best day ever in blue side park yeah you know It's funny because these early projects, especially kids, it just brought me back to those early J. Cole days so much. Yeah. Where where it was like it was kind of pre, you know, realizing the messed up stuff about life and about music. Mm -hmm. And it was very free flowing and like upbeat, which, you know, will me and you obviously are more connected to the the later stuff with Mac where he was a lot more like kind of low key and talking about, you know, sadder stuff. So it was interesting to see this really up, upbeat, good vibes type of stuff from Mac. And I, you know, I definitely can see why there's a connection to it. because it's just, it's fun music to listen to. 
you're definitely not connecting to the lyrics a ton. Like they're kind of just whatever, you know, but it's pretty hard to deny that his, his delivery is really solid for being that young and pairing it with the production. I mean, it was really good. So I, I definitely can understand why he had a pretty strong fan base at that young age. Yeah, I think what's why it's so overwhelming to hear this stuff, as Dylan mentioned, is because we come from a point of view that's basically just heard his later stuff. And you're like, man, when you listen to this, it's like this kid is not the same guy whatsoever. He's like completely, completely changed. And it almost kind of brings a sad tone. You know, I hate to say it because the music's so up tempo, but knowing the full backstory, um, I, I think really does make it kind of a bit sad. And so tailing off another thing you, you said, uh, Hughes, it does mimic kind of early years of J. Cole because he's like this overwhelming sense of confidence that this guy has, you know? He's like, man, I am the fucking shit. I'm gonna fuck your bitch. I could get any woman. He's like, I know I'm short, you know, I'm this little fucking bum from the park, but he could still fuck your bitch. And I think honestly, that's why a lot there's a lot of divide. You know, that's why that's kind of where the divide starts, because someone like me in the early years, hears this guy saying, I'm going to fuck your bitch. And I get worried that he's actually going to like fuck my bitch, <laughs> whereas D- Drew hears it um, and he's like, man, I'm going to fuck your bitch. too." <laughs> <laughs> um, but is so Drew is, is the overwhelming kind of confidence, something that you did kind of enjoy from him. And is that something that you've noticed more in his earlier music, would you say? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I would relate his earlier music to more like, um, I don't know. I don't want to say trap rap, but that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Poppy, Just the, a the confidence of it. Yeah. Right. Like a pop version like Migos or something, you know, where they're mm-hmm. just talking about all the badass shit they're doing or all the hot girls they're fucking and shit like that. But he's a high school kid. You know what I mean? So he's not <laughs> yeah. fucking <laughs> worth millions or anything like Migos. He's not flexing chains or anything, but he's just living life and doing what he does. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really interesting way to put it. And I, I completely see that. Dylan, you got anything to tag on? No, man. I, I think that was honestly the perfect way to, <laughs> to summarize it. Yeah. I mean, just oozing with confidence and yeah, like definitely the, the wider version of uh, <laughs> that of that side of it. But yeah, I mean, it, I think that's exactly what you get in this early stuff. Uh, okay, so let's move on a little bit. Go to Blue Slide Park. Uh, I'm going to start off with you uh, for this or not Blue Slide Park. Sorry. Best day ever. We'll go best day ever next. Um I'm going to start off with you on this one. It seems as if uh, that this one is more of a, a a thought, you know, an effort where he put kind of a theme into it. At least it did to me. Did you, did you get the same kind of vibe with uh, Best Day Ever, Drew or Dylan? Yeah, I did. Um, it To me, it definitely felt like a more complete project, but it wasn't like much different you know like if like a better version of the same thing yeah and again i we saw that with j cole too i mean um with the come up and the warm-up that's something we talked about how the warm-up was like a much better version of the come up but the content and the sound wasn't that different Mm -hmm. and i honestly think this kind of parallels that perfectly where you get improved kind of you know there's there's i mean there's definitely a theme to it um kind of like a loose theme of again kind of just being happy and enjoying life um but yeah it it feels a little bit more put together the production's definitely better his flow is better like everything is better but it's it's just not much different and again for the people at that point that really loved him i mean that's all they could ask for yeah no that's a good way to put it Uh, i didn't really think of the parallels to the come up and the warm-up but that really is the vibe that you get drew though i think the the transitions throughout this whole whole, uh album are a lot better uh between the music and so that's why i kind of feel like it's a bit more put together you see that he spent a little bit more time on the sound i think uh and making it sound good and not necessarily as repetitive maybe as uh kids although i don't i don't think it's like super repetitive but i will say the title track first song kind of blows you out of your mind at least it did for me and it can right right away hook me in the album do you feel that same way about the uh best day ever or and what are some of your favorite songs on the album drew 
Um, yeah, I'd agree. You could definitely tell he's growing up. You know what I mean? As he progresses from kids to best day ever and then eventually to Blue Slide Park, you can see the the maturity, you know. Um, some of my favorite songs from Best Day Ever, Wake Up, Down the Rabbit Hole, and Wear My Hat. Those are just some of my favorites. Uh, but you can, you can definitely see he's starting to get a little bit more um, emotional, I guess. Uh, like songs like Where My At is basically a love song. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, it's a kid's version of a love song, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But you can definitely tell that he's growing up. It's part of his transition. I yeah, say. I agree. I think uh, so. My, uh, what I'd say about that is I think he starts like, first off, the money's kind of come, come in a little bit. I think, I think he's starting to feel reap the benefits of, you know, maybe making a bit of a killing off his first, uh, or not his first mixtape, but first majorly successful kind of project. And, um, you know, in the right away, he's talking about uh, kind of helping his mom out in the early in the album, you know, saying he's having a couple songs about I'm gonna be there for you and I'm gonna buy you a house like I, I'm gonna, you know, so he's kind of picking up a sense of responsibility of, uh, okay, I wanted to make money off this. Uh, and now I am. And so I, I think it does turn what what else did you you think about this uh project Hughes yeah there it was I mean I really think the right off the bat you can see a a huge improvement in just overall the sounds I mean best day ever to get up there's like a really smooth transition in between Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of what you may have been hinting at earlier like with the transitions between songs and that that stuff is small like me and you will talk about connective tissue a lot both from older projects to newer ones and also within the project and you know something as simple as like a nice transition like that i think just really makes an album so much easier to listen to because you know well first of all you have to kind of question is this the same song I just heard? It sounds different, but there's not that hard, there's not that hard space in between where you can tell a song is changing. So just small production stuff like that, I think uh, was really well, really well done. Like get up. The second song I think is really good. Uh, Donald Trump, the production on that was very solid as well. And you know, the, the best day ever bonus at the end, by the way, which has a completely different kind of sound from the opening track, I think gives you a nice little vibe change. And it's, I think it's honestly maybe better than that opening track for me, at least. Um, it's a little bit more slowed down. So, you know, just the you can see the development in this one uh, from kids, but also as the as the project moves along, you can kind of see some development development within that uh, project as, as well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he had a year, another year under his belt. Uh, Drew, I'm going to go to you. Um, what what kind of vibe does this this project set for uh, him and his career? Because obviously it was another kind of like banger, uh, very well, uh, very well uh, received kind of critically. Um, and then obviously next up is going to be Blue Slide Park, his first kind of major label uh, debut. So being a Mac fan, what 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 was it like at the time? Uh, was he was he kind of like huge already or did you feel like he was kind of underground still well by the time i started listening to him both kids and best day ever were already out uh, okay. i started listening before i had come out but kids and best day ever had both been out when i started listening to him but uh yeah i mean looking back on it now especially i mean i was a kid back then so it wasn't like i was it's music you know what i mean i wasn't you know diving deep into it when i was 13 years old but especially now you can see and having the hindsight of seeing his entire career it's it's where he really starts to transition and that's one of the things that i love so much about mac is i mean you can pick a project like kids and then turn around and listen to a project like swimming and you could you would think they're completely different artists other than the voice you know Mm -hmm. the the way he progresses with each album and each mixtape is I mean, nothing really sounds exactly the same. I'd say Kids and Best Day Ever probably sound the most similar of any of his two pro- like major projects, but, but you can definitely tell there is some you, some growth in there. Some like he's starting to figure out what he 
he wants to do with his music. Yeah, I think I think that these two uh, albums, the first ones that we talked about, Kids and Best Day Ever, really do a good job of setting fa- a foundation of Mac as uh, an artist. And then as we're going to talk about in Blue Side Park, he starts to transition into a little bit more theme-based kind of music, theme-based albums, especially, obviously, as you get into the later ones. What did, uh, so what, what did you think, Dylan, uh, of Mac Miller coming from this, this, this kind of kid high school era vibe foundation and then moving into blue side park which is honestly as uh drew mentioned a pretty pretty big transition yeah i was definitely interested to see where exactly he was going to go with blue side park because again those first two you know mixtapes were pretty pretty similar right and it's like are we going to keep getting the same thing are we going to start to see some development and that's kind of what you get going into Blue Slide Park. And pretty early on, you can kind of figure out, you know, what's going on here. And I mean, you definitely see a lot more efforts to make a change in this one. Like there's a lot more risks being taken, Yeah. which personally, I don't think a lot of the risks pay off, but I can always commend an artist for trying because I mean, we've talked about these artists nowadays that just do the same old thing over and over because it sells Mm -hmm. and it may sound good, but you don't see any progression. Right. So I would rather you take a risk and fail than not take a risk at all and just stay the same. And I think that's kind of what Blue Slide Park was for me. You know, he he definitely is figuring out the whole theme thing. I mean, this is based on his hometown, um, you know, Pittsburgh. So you get to see a little bit deeper layers, I think, of what uh, what makes him who he is as an artist and all that. Um, and again, there's some risks taken that aren't that great, but you don't you start to see a progression of him as an artist that is promising, and definitely, I think, is going to set um, the future stuff we're going to talk about uh, up nicely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Drew kind of has a special uh, story to this. Him and um, a couple of our other friends have gone to Pittsburgh, seen uh, the Blue Slide Park. Actually, you've seen it a couple times, haven't you, Drew? Talk about uh, what that was like. We've gone uh, twice now, and we've got another trip planned for uh, September. Um, but but yeah, it's I the the vibe in Pittsburgh is just fucking awesome. I, I my our trips to Pittsburgh have been by far my favorite vacations I've ever taken. Um, and another thing we didn't really touch on, uh, one of the things that made him so popular at the beginning is the music videos. His music videos were iconic, like uh, the uh, Nike's on my feet music video, knock knock music video, um, all of those. He he, one of his good friends in high school was like wanted to be a videographer so he had like a nice camera and everything and they would just go around pittsburgh and shoot music videos like that and if you go back and watch them i mean for i don't think he was even signed by this point and for not for just some kid you know making music videos they're very high quality um one of the most special parts about us going to pittsburgh the first time we went uh we were going to blue side park and uh, we drove around a minute trying to find a place to park and couldn't find anywhere and finally found a spot to park and we're walking up to the park and uh, we just happened to cross this little, uh, it's like a, a local elementary school's uh, football field, basically their practice field. And it's down in a little hill and there's a staircase going down. And as we were walking up, I turned and saw the staircase and I was like, hold on guys, I recognize this staircase. And so we started walking down there and realized that that, exact location had been in several of his music videos um i believe it's nike's on my feet the one that we actually found and found the actual location where we were and everything but uh we ended up walking around the park for a minute and uh there were some bleachers set up and uh there's an a part in the music video where him and his buddies are all sitting on the uh, uh, the bleachers and you can distinctly see there's a uh like a notch in the bleachers, like a very mm-hmm. distinct two notches next to each other. 
we found those actual bleachers and the the notch in the bleachers, like showing that that was where they were sitting, you know, 10 yeah. years ago or whatever, when they recorded this music video. And that was just like a super special moment for all of us. Both times we've gone back, we've gone over there and hung out and we've actually carved uh, Mac was here into the bleachers. So, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, it sounds really nerdy, but no, dude. us, you know, being friends, lifelong fans of him it was it was awesome it was unbelievable no i think that is the mac effect though i think that's you know because he does there's a part of you as dylan mentioned as we talked about that you absolutely relate to that high school especially the high school early days of mac like it does take you back to okay i'm just one of these high school kids again not really thinking about much like only got only got worried about is like maybe turning in homework and shit and like there's a part of all of us that you know that it it just resonates and so drew i want to ask you another question because you mentioned a little bit about the music videos how big do you think was that for mac early in his career like do you think that that was one of the big catalysts that kind of maybe put him on the scene I think it was definitely very big because this was uh 2009 2010 ish range so it was right I mean, YouTube had been around for a little bit, but it was like right when YouTube was really getting big, you know, especially for kids our age and stuff. And to have those music videos on YouTube, like I said, such high quality and people liked the songs. So, I mean, people would just go and watch those music videos over and over again. And I I don't know, I think it was a huge part of his launching his career. I mean, it got his face out there, obviously. People would recognize him and stuff. And yeah, I think I think his music videos were a huge part of what got him big to begin with. Have you seen any of the uh, music videos, Hughes? Yeah, I watched some last night, and it was actually kind of sad because I was looking through the top comments, and they were all posted like 10 years ago, talking about how he's like the next up and all that. I'm like, man, if only y'all knew what was coming. Yeah. I mean, they were right. They were right, yeah. but obviously, uh, you know, tragic ending, but... I mean, yeah, the, I thought those were really well done, too. And I never really thought about the fact that he was so young when he made them. I mean, they looked they looked like, you know, videos nowadays. I mean, obviously, the production wasn't as good because we've made a lot of improvements with cameras and all that. But they were really well done. And he was big on movie references. Uh, I mean, that's what Kids was, was a movie reference. And he always kind of gave homage to some of those in those uh, music videos. So, yeah, I I thought those were really well done because a lot of music videos from high schoolers, you know, are are trash. So I I think Mac did a really good job. And I could definitely see how those would be appealing to people back in the day, especially like Drew said, YouTube was very young at that point. Um, And I mean, it music shifted. I think in a different direction when YouTube came into play, because instead of having, you know, MTV video uh, music videos, like YouTube became the new kind of MTV for music. So I, it definitely changed a lot. And yeah, I, I think those old videos are awesome. Uh, so let's go back to Blue Side Park here for a second. Drew, you said that this was your uh, first initiation uh, kind of into Mac Miller back in the day. Uh, what What are your thoughts on this album as a whole? And what 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 does it do? How does it fit into Mac's career? Um, yeah, well, I, I had known of him before that, but it mm-hmm. was the first drop that I was around for. Like, if you... <laughs> I haven't been on Facebook since high school, but if you go back and scroll all the way back through my Facebook page, you'll find a, you'll find a post that's uh, in November, 2011, the day Blue Side Park came out. And I said, it said something like Blue Side Park, best album ever or something like that. <laughs> I, I fucking loved Blue Side Park when it came out. Um, it, it really kind of bombed critically. Uh, I wouldn't say bombed, but it, it was not well received by critics and stuff. I think most people that, you know, liked Mac and listened to Mac really enjoyed it. But um, for one reason or another, it just didn't do very well critically. I mean, the album sold, but it just was kind of just not taken very well by critics. And that was really hard on him because it's his debut album. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, you can definitely tell the production is way better. I, he by this time he was definitely signed to Rostrum Records, so he had a team behind him and everything. But uh, but yeah, and the other thing is, I was talking about the transition from kids to best day ever. That you can kind of tell the transition there, but from 
best day ever to blue side you can it's there 100 percent. i mean all you have to do is listen and you can definitely tell he's growing up he's becoming an adult you know he's reminiscing things like that i by the but at this time he'd moved to la so he's out of pittsburgh so it was you know talking about his hometown and the things he'd gone through songs like miss calls i mean there's not a song on either best day ever or kids it's as deep and as emotional as uh miss calls mm-hmm. so yeah i, I would uh, you could definitely, definitely see that transition starting to form and it gets even deeper with his later projects yeah there, there's no doubt about that i think um I think PA Knights is another good example of, okay, this guy is really starting to think of, um, you know, he's got the fame, right? But it's like, man, kind of, kind of, kind of miss home, you know? And that's like, he's like, fuck, it, I'm going to make an album of being home. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that he was out in LA at the time, Drew, but that I think helps put, to put it even more into perspective because he's like, man, this guy kind of misses being a kid almost. Right. What, 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 what else did you get from this one? Hughes? Yeah. I mean, again, that Pen- the Pittsburgh theme is really strong, obviously. I mean, a lot, a lot of the titles of these tracks, you know, like Frick Park Market, mm-hmm. which just kind of sounds funny, but like that's, <laughs> you know, like a, a, that's like a real thing in, in Pittsburgh, you know, that uh, it's kind of a staple for them. And, you know, it's it's a lot of those hometown references that like no one would get that doesn't live there. I mean, there's stuff here in Indy, obviously, that we could say that people outside be like, what the hell is that? You know, mm-hmm. um, but it was kind of cool to to see that you know different side because again the early stuff is more just having fun living life and all that and now we kind of get to see him be a little bit more retrospective and um, almost miss you know those earlier times more and as much as he wanted to become this big successful artist he's kind of now realizing that there's downside to it it's not just you know girls drugs money like there's there's bad parts of it too and he's He's kind of realized at this point that, you know, that that life in Pittsburgh wasn't too bad and he's missing. He's uh, making more money now, but he's seeing some of the downsides. So it's it's, you know, will we love the the retrospection from these guys? So yeah. it's it's good at this point to see that kind of coming into the music. Yeah. And um, I think that I think as we've talked about before, you start you see this with almost like every kind of artist. Like it's really similar to J. Cole. Um, uh, The best ones, I think not every artist. Right. I think the best ones are able to kind of take a look and not just continue what they have done, kept doing to to sell. I think the best artists have started to take a look into like, okay, the ups and downs. And this is definitely, I think, a point where Max starts to do that a little bit and just become as you mentioned, like more vulnerable and maybe he misses, maybe he misses with a couple songs and maybe the critics don't love it. Right. But you do see that foundation of awareness that he kind of, he kind of makes within himself and obviously carries on to the next part of his career. And so um, while we have Drew on today, he brought up an interesting uh, theory, not theory, uh, idea that he had because we were asking i consulted with drew i was like hey how do we do the uh the mac miller pods you're the guy that i know how do you what what would be the best way to set him up and he talked about kind of three separate points of mac miller's career and so i wanted to ask you about your thoughts on that drew because i think that's an interesting take especially uh, as we move forward in his album so what was this part of his career and then what what can we expect from the next couple of podcasts um, uh, it, it's not completely clear cut, like album to album, you know what I mean? There's a transition between albums. Like I was talking about with best day ever. I mean, there's some emotional songs in there for sure. It's not all the party rap that we were used to the years before, but, uh, in my opinion, there's basically three, maybe four different phases of his career. The first phase with, you know, my Mac and ain't easy high life, uh, kids best ever all those albums it's more he's a he's a kid i mean he's growing up he's talking about shit like that school things like that um and it's more like i was saying before frat rap party Mm -hmm. rap you know it's not emotional it's not really getting into deeper things 
Um, and the, the beats are all kind of similar, you know, upbeat, that kind of thing. Uh, then you transition into uh, Macadelic and watching movies with the sound off uh, and Good AM. Those to me are more acid rap. I guess is how I would say it like trippy trippier beats, you know, he get, he definitely focuses a lot more on his lyrics at that stage, um, starts to learn and really experiment with what he's doing. And then once you get out of good AM and go into divine feminine, obviously divine feminine is a love album. I mean, it's about, it's not entirely about Ariana Grande. It's just about his relationships with women for the most part. Um, and then same, you can kind of say that for circles. Um, in my opinion, it kind of transitions with circles and swimming to more uh, uh, recovery, I would say, I guess. Um, not necessarily just drug addiction, because obviously he was going through that too, but recovery just in life with major events, like losing someone he loved, uh, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's hard to put into words, but you can definitely tell the vibe changes. Um, like I said, it's not completely clear cut because there's songs on every album that you could say, hey, this is about a girl, you know, this is about love. But at the same time, like I said, Divine Feminine is basically all just about women, the mm-hmm. relationships he's had with women and how he feels about those relationships. Yeah. Uh, but the, th- the thing is, like, I think Mac is able to kind of keep himself throughout the album or throughout his whole discography to an extent, because you do find like, oh, that is kind of like the Mac that I know. And I think I saw that a little bit earlier in the three albums that we listened to. And so, Dylan, what did the three albums uh, that we just talked about, what did that do to set a foundation for the rest of uh, Mac's career? And what, what are you kind of expecting from the next couple of albums? Yeah, again, I mean, I'm expecting um, a J. Cole type of turnaround because, again, I think the the parallels are pretty clear that, you know, this a, a lot of this stuff. And again, with Blue Slide Park, you start to see a transition out of it. But the, you know, happy, sunny day stuff doesn't last forever. And I'm again, Blue Slide Park kind of opened the door, I think, for more retrospection and kind of being able to balance the the positives and negatives of life. And I'm just interested to see what he tries next because the blue slide park, again, he makes more effort to not stick to the same old, same old. And again, I think some of that worked well and some of it didn't like mm-hmm. diamond gold miss calls at the end of this album were two really nice storytelling songs. And we, know, we didn't get that before this. Like him actually showing an ability to tell a story in a song, I think is really promising. So I'm interested to see moving forward, you know, how does he develop that more? How does he tell more stories and make it sound good? And does he get more vulnerable? And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to in the next few albums. Yeah, I think, you know, hindsight, having the play, having being in the time and space that we are right now, you kind of know that it works out, right? And so that's why I'm really interested to see, uh, listen to these next couple albums because he did take kind of a couple risks and a turn in his career in Blue Slide Park. And so knowing that he's become how popular he has, you kind of know that he must have kind of hit hit a chord, right, with the next couple of albums and really help continue his career. And so, Drew, I'm going to ask you about about that a little bit. What was uh, the transition like? Like, was that kind of unexpected to an extent, uh, the transition to kind of a trippier rap? And how, how was it re- received by the Mac fans? Um, I wouldn't say unexpected because there's still some of those songs, like from Blue Slide Park to Macadelic, I mean, there's still some of the songs that fit that first vibe. If you listen to Loud, I mean, that's that could have been on Kids. You know what I mean? It's I mean, it's better produced and it's more of a rappy song, but it's not as emotional as a song like The Question with Lil Wayne mm-hmm. um, or Fight the Feeling. So, like, you can it, it's not as jarring, you know, but it. I, I think it definitely fits into his discography. Like, it doesn't it's not like it's out out of left field or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is, I mean, I was growing up when it was, when he was releasing these. So it fit the time in my life I was in basically like 
like I said, Best Day Ever came out when I was in middle school, and that was kind of, or, I mean, well, yeah, Best Day Ever and Blue Side Park came out when I was in middle school. So that was, fit that vibe of my life. I was a kid, you know, just like he was. I was doing the same things he's rapping about and feeling the same emotions he's rapping about. And then you transition into Macadelic and uh, watching movies with the sound off where it gets a little bit more emotional, a little bit more uh, lyrical. And at that point in my life, I'm maturing just like he is. So I'm more interested in the things he's talking about now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just, I that's one of the biggest things that I think I latched on to Mac Miller with is I was growing with his career while he was growing and maturing at the same time. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I picked up, honestly, uh, with listening to this stuff. And I think that's kind of a big reason why there's such a huge fan base behind him. And they're all there kind of always has been because he's literally grown up with a bunch of these kids, like the same emotional stages that he was hitting are uh are right there like right with us as we're listening to them and like even in the later stuff which we're going to talk about like you know when you turn when you get this age that we are you really do start to think like okay what what is going on with this life you know and you know unfortunately mac wasn't able to make it out all the way but you but it still kind of resent resembles how I think a lot of us are kind of feeling like really, really kind of confused to an extent you, you get to 25, 26, at least a quarter of your life. And you're like, shit, like this, a lot of, you, you have a lot of realizations. And so I'm going to go to Dylan with this Dylan, do you, knowing what we know and having listened to um, circles and the, the later part of the albums, you, do you kind of see that, see how that fan base is built a bit? Yeah, it's funny because I think all three of us here seem to have had perfect timing with with Mac because, you know, Drew was saying he grew up with him. And, Will, I mean, me and you have been kind of in the same place over the past, like, year, year and a half. And a lot of – that's why Mac is kind of connected to us with the the later stuff where we've been able to latch on to that message because we're kind of going through, you know, the same um, realizations and kind of questioning some things. So – I mean, that's that's what great artists do, I think, is, you know, find something that people can connect to. And vulnerability is something we talk about a lot. That's obviously something that Mac develops as he goes on more. And it's that's what people connect to. If you're able to, you know, show, hey, this is what I'm going through. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like, that's what people like, because life is not all sunshine and rainbows. And being able to, you know, have the fun stuff and then also have the the Saturn more somber stuff. I think it's really important for you to be, you know, like a full, fully developed artist, because again, that's the circle of life, right? It's, it's happy, sad, like kind of in, in emotion. So I think his career, and obviously we still have a lot to discuss, but uh, you know, from the way he's developed from what we've seen right now to what he ended up as, um, you can really just see a, a great development in, in his music um, alone, but also his message. So, I mean, it's no wonder why he became what he became, because I think he just did such a good job of kind of catching a vibe, whether it was a good vibe or a bad vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the genuinity, like you mentioned, you know, and that's why I think a lot of the kids kind of grabbed on. Because the, the, it's exactly he's not trying to put a facade out. He's not, you know, he, he's an he was an independent artist at the time. Right. So what he's putting out is what he was put who he was. You know, he's not kind of being pulled, pulled by strings uh, as some of these, you know, young and upcoming kids are kind of right off the bat. And so that's why I think it helped develop his fan base. Drew you kind of talked about it already, but. Uh, other than kind of growing up with them, what, what I know Max, your favorite, you know, at least up there with top two, top three, why, what, what is your attraction to Mac? Why, why do you love him so much? Well, it's, I, I think a majority of it is the, just the maturing that we did at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I, I think it's a lot harder. I mean, I, you can definitely appreciate the music 100% no matter when you get into it. But, uh, the, just that emotional connection going from, 
you know, a kid to a grown man at the same, I mean, not five years difference in age, but pretty much at the same time, you know? Um, and I think that's just a huge part of it. Cause there's a lot of songs, especially in the later years, um, swimming there when swimming first came out, um, I can't think of the song name off the top of my head right now, but, uh, uh, I was listening to it on the car ride home to my apartment in Bloomington mm-hmm. and, uh, it swimming is basically about his transition after Ariana Grande. I mean, he was completely in love with her and now he's alone, you know, and he's going doing drugs again. He's not in the place that he wants to be. And I was kind of in a similar situation. I just mean uh, my girlfriend at the time of two years, three years had just broken up and I was just in that same mindset and listening to a song on the way back to my apartment. It was almost like he's speaking directly to me because mm-hmm. he was saying, in this song, all the things that I was feeling, like the exact emotion I was feeling, I could completely understand and connect with that. And so I think that was just a huge part of it is growing up with it. It's like, this guy was basically one of my friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're growing up together at the same time. We had the same, the same feelings about things, the same emotions, you know, and he was able to put that into his music just perfectly in my opinion. And it, like I said, it just, it was just, awesome being able to transition like that at the same time as that artist and i think if i'd grown up 10 years later or 10 years earlier and not had that same connection i don't think i'd be as big of a fan as i am yeah i think the more i talk the more we kind of talk about it the more i'm understanding kind of why the matt there's such a big divide about around mac it's be it's kind of like you know you got you got you just got to be there with them you know you you gotta there's not many people that can empathize empathize with a kid talking about his life other than a bunch of other kids, you know? And that's why I think when he died, it took a lot of people's like, it, it took them away for a part of them away, you know? And I think that's why it's so big. And Dylan, you've already kind of talked about it, but the more, the, the more we kind of do this podcast, the more I'm realizing like the best artists are truly able to relate to an audience and truly kind of, just not reach that surface level of, Oh, I like this song and dive deeper. And like, man, I feel this song. What, what, what about, how, how do you feel about that Hughes? And why do you think, what do you think it, the, the artists do just to be able to do that? Like, is it some special talent or. Well, first of all, I want to give ourselves props for picking these artists. Cause, uh, we've, we've seemed to find the same answers with all these different guys, you know, yeah, I mean, this is our fourth artist at this point, and we just keep discovering the same thing over and over, despite, you know, the different styles and the different genres. I mean, it's really fascinating because, you know, the, the Mac and, and J. Cole type of thing is is a little bit different, um, where it's like, oh, you know, they, they both were confident early on. They knew they were going to be successful, and you know, when they get fame, they start to talk about some of the bad stuff and all that. And then there's like schoolboy Q who grew up a completely different life. You know, it it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. He was, you know, in a gang and he was still able to get to that same place where he had similar realizations. Sturgill Simpson, you know, a completely different growing up, but still a lot of the same stuff. So I honestly, I think the... (laughs) the best artists are just most human. Like we all, we all kind of figure the same things out. It it may be at a different point, different circumstances may lead to it, but we all kind of arrive at the same places and they're able to just combine their musical talent with like these lessons they've learned and they're able to make it sound good. Right. And I think that's, that's what makes a really good artist. You know, there's, there's guys and girls that can make good sounding music. Again, it can, it can become repetitive because it sells and like, they don't really care about anything else, but guys like Mac and some of the other guys we've talked about are able to go deeper and they're able to show, you know, a little bit more of themselves and be vulnerable and just talk about where they're at in their life right now. And there's a bunch of other people that are at that same place too. And it just, it's hard not to connect to that when you're at the same place as them. Yeah, you could really tell with Mac that there's not that many external factors uh, influencing his music. I think that's what 
set set apart Mag to me, especially in like the mixtapes. You kind of see like, okay, he's he's making music. He's like clipping a bunch of famous songs that he fucking likes and making good beats to him. You know, that's the kind of vibe I get from at least the earlier stuff. It's like this guy's just in his fucking house right now. Listen, like, oh, that sound good on a beat. It makes a beat, ends up making a banger song off of it. And I'm like, shit, you know, and that that's the kind of vibe that at least I get from Mac. And then which is also why I'm really interested into um, seeing seeing this middle part of his career and seeing and listening to how he's able to continue that maybe with more uh, self-produced stuff, like all of it from within instead of just being this kid tossing some stuff out. But I, I, I again, just to kind of recap the, the first couple of albums, I do think that what he's able to do so good is connect to the kids, you know, kids around his time. And we, we spent a lot of time discussing that, but I think that's why you find such a big, um, big following behind him, you know, and that only helps him to propel to the top. Eventually you mentioned Sturgill Simpson, Hughes. Uh, we forgot to talk about, uh, I know uh, Drew's excited. Sturgill Simpson is releasing a new album here in like a month, man. And Hughes, why, why does this keep happening? Why do we keep, why do we keep calling out albums, man? <laughs> Dude, our, our connection is just powerful. Like the, the manifestation powers that we've, you know, assembled at this point is, is really shocking. Uh, but also not shocking. I think, <laughs> I think we've, we've kind of earned this place in the, in the world where we can make things happen. So I'm, I'm proud of us for being able to, you know, get this. And, and we were very dubious that Sturgeon would even release something this year. Yeah. And all of a sudden, literally Day two after. days after yeah. we finish, all of a sudden a new thing's coming out. So I'm excited. Um, you know, I don't know when, uh, if it's going to line up well or not, but we'll obviously have to go review that one um, either after Mac or after the next artist, but I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's going to be fun. Cause as we discussed, you have no idea where Sturgill's going to go. No so idea, it's going to be fun to see similar. And that's kind of, we, you know, we're finding out about Mac, you know, it's like, okay, these guys are able to shift you know, not put out the same shit and still kind of grab uh, audience. Uh, it's kind of a reverse situation with me and Drew where uh, I've been trying to get Drew on Sturgis Simpson for uh, a couple of years now or a year now, and he ain't on it. So, Drew, you excited for the new Sturgis Simpson uh, album, Dude and Juanita? The Ballad of Dude and Juanita is the name of it. Is it? Yeah. Uh, is more songs out like uh mercury and retrograde i'll i'll appreciate it at least hey, i like that one he knows a banger he knows a banger okay sturgill i mean merc's a banger there's no doubt about it we talked about that that's an absolute vibe that kind of gives me spins vibes though do you kind of you kind of get that uh resemblance a little bit just the bouncy kind of bass a little bit i can see that i can definitely yeah. see that um anyway i'm so excited about an album apparently it's another female album. uh he's uh another one kind of similar to sailor's guide so i mean if he could top anything like sailor's guide he's gonna put out the best album in about 10 years in my opinion um last thing we have to chat about on this podcast because we're all here of course everyone knows what it is it's golf i've played around today guys uh, one of my worst in a long time, man. Shot is 95. Haven't played in like a week and a half. Hughes, how how are you doing out on the links nowadays? I know you've been I know you've been on the grind a little bit. Yeah, I've been trying to just work through the par three stuff. Just trying to you know really really get some course management stuff down. Get contact. The contact's coming. Like it's coming. It's coming uh, along quicker than I thought. So I'm happy with that i was actually going to go out on monday but the course i go to is having some fucking junior tournament so that (laughs) off uh i mean i'm all for kids learning the game man but like shit i need to learn the game too so i uh i i'm uh trying to get out there next week maybe so I'll, i'll give an update next week if if uh the timing works out but it's uh it's fun man like I, I've noticed just in a few times playing, I've noticed uh, a few improvements already. Like I'm expecting this to take a long time, you know, to figure out. So just slowly but surely, I think that's the way. Yeah, it definitely is. And trust me, don't uh, 
expect to get pissed off because I thought golf is one of those sports, at least I've discovered it's like maybe you take a week off, like you're either hitting better than you ever have or you're hitting absolute shit. And that's that's what I did today. Drew, I know we played a bunch of rounds together. How's how's your swing looking? Uh, as soon as I fix something, I feel like something else falls apart. My chipping's been pretty good the last couple times I played, but I can't hit my irons for shit, and my drive is starting to fall back into the slice. <laughs> um, the other day, it was like three weeks ago, me and Jake went and played Sarah Shank, and I shot a 43 on the front and then shot a 51 on the back. I just completely fell apart on my side. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like a it's one thing or the other. I mean, it, I think I fix my driver and then I start slicing my driver as soon as my irons feel good. Or I fix my putting and then my chipping sucks. Yeah. Can't seem to keep, keep everything good. Yeah. And that's why it's so impressive uh, watching those fuckers just put it next to the pin every fucking shot, man. Like, seriously. We got the Olympics going on. Uh, literally, right now, as we're recording, I'm looking forward to watching it. Hughes, USA pulling gold uh, in the Olympics, you thinking? I mean, it's it's tough to say. Like, a lot of the good uh, – like, Australia has to have a good team out there because they, they seem to have guys up in competition every week. You know, John Rahm takes Spain uh, out of it, him not being out there. Like, a, a lot of the top top guys aren't going to be out there. Um, you know, the, the hometown uh, Masters winner, Hideki Matsuyama, will be out there. So, obviously, you think he may, may play well. But, you know, the USA is where it's at. Like, let, <laughs> let's be honest here. I, I, I think we're going to – I think we're going to pull it through. Um, missing some of the top guys, but either way, I think, uh, I could see JT, man, Justin Thomas, he's kind of been out of it lately. I could see him just pulling one out the back pocket at the, this kind of a world showcase. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be mad pulling home a gold gold at the Olympics. You know, USA hasn't been pulling many as of recently and the basketball team, man, the basketball team has been like, like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, aren't we, like, the home of basketball? Like, aren't we supposed to be killing our team by 20 points? I don't get it. Anyway, um, we all need to get out for a round at some point and listen to Mac Miller the whole time, I'd say. I think that'd be a pretty good time. I really would enjoy that. So uh, that's going to be it for today's podcast. Drew, if you want, thank you for joining, being the first uh, member, uh, guest, appearance on the divine rhyme that's a big time that's a big time accomplishment i'll make you a trophy for it give it to you <laughs> um, <my> <laughs> um but seriously thanks for joining uh it I, I really did think it helped put mac into perspective a little bit especially coming from a couple guys who had a different uh look into mac's career and so you're more than welcome to join us on the next couple if you'd like uh, but seriously, thanks for coming. Uh, that's another episode of the Divine Rhyme. Next week, we're going to get uh, a couple more. What we decide on? Uh, watching movies with the sound off, good AM, faces, because Drew said we had to get faces in there, and then another one. And then we're going to do Divine uh, Feminine um, and Swimming, and then we're going to do a solo one for Circles and kind of just kind of wrap up his career because uh, obviously, unfortunately, he's not, I hope at least, they're not going to release anything else possible is because I think I, I think circles is really a nice official way to end. You know, if they release some more tracks on uh, like unreleased stuff, I don't. I, I think that'd be okay. But I think circles is a really a f- good way to kind of seal the career. So uh, looking forward to that. Thank you for listening. Follow us on uh, TikTok and Twitter, and I think like Instagram, the Running Hook Podcast Network. Got a lot of socials out there. Uh, leave us a like and a subs- subscribe on um, YouTube, of course. Uh, and then listen to some of the other podcasts on the network as well. We got a bunch of uh, content for you. We got cinema, Circle City Cinema content with Zach Griffith. We got obviously music here, The Divine Rhyme, a lot of sports with Lynn Sanity, Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Although, other than the Olympics, there's not much basketball going on. Are you guys uh, going to keep that running, Hughes? Or w- what's the plan for A and D Power Hour? Yeah, well, the draft's tomorrow night. Um, so 
And then a few days after that, it'll be free agency. So we're going to be talking about that stuff a little bit. And then we'll probably take about a month off, come back in September. Uh, I think we're going to do a top 100 players ranking. So that'll be fun to figure mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got about two more episodes left and we'll take a break. Um, and it's, it's been a long year basketball. So it's it'll be kind of nice to get a break, but it's been fun. Been watching a lot. Been watching a lot. There's no doubt. Uh, congrats to Giannis. You know, I used to be mad. I, I used to be a hater just because I'm a LeBron guy. But I'm happy. I'm really happy the Bucks won the won the championship. You know, I think that's a good team to win. And I think they fucking beat a decent team in uh, Phoenix as well. But that's going to be it for uh, the Divine Rhyme. Catch us next week when we continue uh, talking about Mac. And thank you for listening. <laughs>